Hey, hey everybody. everybody, this is Noelle, and I'm Jenna, and this is More Than Murder, where we delve into everything eerie with a side of true crime. More Than Murder is not your typical true crime podcast. Join us on a weekly tour through the haunted, the bloody, the creepy, and the nutty on our Freaky Fridays. So, tomorrow is Halloween. Yay! And it's on a Saturday, which the is best awesome. time of year. So, happy Halloween to everybody who may be listening to this when it comes out on today, the Freaky Friday, or on Halloween. Yeah. Which, I mean, I would save all my Halloween apps for, like, the day of Halloween while I'm getting ready, you know, putting my makeup on. It's such a weird year, though. I know. We are not going to a party. No. Every year, Jenna and I go to a Halloween party, and we usually do something awesome where we win some sort of award. And and we are together at the crack of dawn, messing <laughs> her bathroom up completely, getting ready for hours and hours and hours and hours. Oh, God. It's, it's a And we still shindig. get there at, like, 10 o'clock. Yeah, right? we're still late. <laughs> we're still late. Everyone's been there for a few hours. They're all toasted, and we're like, hey. That's how it always works. Even in the days when we would go out to the bar, we would literally get started at, like five or six and yes. the guys would be like are we leaving at any point and it was like 9 30 uh-huh. we had to travel like maybe to rochester or something and we're like oh. we'll get there yeah yeah we'll get there at least we look nice <laughs> i know. know gotta look nice for that hour and a half exactly because then we always want to leave because it's late and we're just like let's just go or it's lame or we're hungry or whatever whatever you know? yes <laughs> hunger so, takes place so. very different year this year but you know still celebrate still go out there have a good time and I'll be home watching scary movies. Yes, and be safe and uh, check your candy. <laughs> That's funny that you say that because uh, later on we're going to get into that very deeply. Yeah, so today's episode is going to be a little different than all of our other episodes because I will have one half and Jenna will have the other half. So we're going to tell two spooky stories. Um, so hold on to your butts. <laughs> you I'll truly just, uh, get us both. Today. Yes. I, uh, I'm going to start with my portion, and I'm covering the Harry Houdini seances. Now, before I get into what that is, I'm going to talk about a brief history of like Harry Houdini, because it's kind of important to see why um, the Houdini seances take place and yeah, all I, that. I, I agree. So, um, Harry Houdini was born on March 24th in 1874. He was one of seven children. There was only one girl and six boys. No. I know. No, Poor little thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was actually born in Budapest, Hungary, which I didn't know. I didn't know that. I mean, I, it kind of makes sense. I've watched things on Houdini too, and I didn't know that. Yeah, I did not know that. His birth name was, uh, sorry, I might mispronounce this because it's Hungarian, but it's Eric what would be pronounced Weiss, which is like W-E-I-S-Z. Okay. Um, and then they immigrated to Appleton, Wisconsin when he was four, um, which that's is where... Yeah, right. Um, that's when the spelling of his name was slightly changed upon arrival to E-H-R-I-C-H, Eric, and okay. then W-E-I-S-S. Okay, yeah, like a Weiss. Weiss, yes. yeah. Um, his nickname actually used to be Airy from Eric with the way it was spelled. So oh, it was E H R I E, which mm-hmm. sounds a lot like Harry. Yeah. Um, which is where he actually ends up getting Harry. Smart. Look from. at him. Yeah, he had all sorts of different names throughout his life. <laughs> um, so he and his dad moved to New York City when he was only 13. Um, 
it was something about how they moved there to start making money and obtain, I think they lived in a shelter, he and his dad, until the rest of his family was able to come to New York as well, because as you know, he's got six other siblings, and they're mm-hmm. still in Wisconsin with his mother. So they eventually do come to New York. Um, in 1895, when Harry was 17, this is apparently when he wanted to be a magician and officially changed his name to Harry Houdini. Okay. Um, was- I don't know if you you know, was that like something popular? Like magician? So he and his brother, his younger brother Theodore, which he would be called Theo, Hardeen was his last name, would perform small magic sideshows in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I guess Theo started practicing at being a magician back when they lived in Europe. He and Theo would do things in Europe, and then he would get interested in it because of that. Yeah. Then they moved to Wisconsin, and Harry would do little five-cent circuses with his friends before they moved to New York. Okay. And then when they did move to, to New York is when he and Theo started doing their really? actual yeah. shows. During the time of performing in sideshows and, like, music halls um, is when Harry was able to practice and hone his skills, of course, with handcuffs. He was known as the escape artist. Yeah. You know, he escaped everything and anything. Sometimes with really close calls. Sometimes there was like really wacky things that would happen in some of his shows, which I don't talk about his shows because there is a lot of escape acts that he did. And this oh, would yeah. take up the whole Halloween episode <laughs> if I were to go into all that. That's what started bringing attention to him was the, the escaping of the handcuffs in the side shows that he and his brother would perform. Shortly after, in 1893, Houdini married Wilhelmina Beatrice Rainer, or Rainer, Rainer. She was born in 1875, so only a year after Houdini. Um, She was also known for her stage name as Beatrice Bess Houdini. So most of the time I I, uh, refer to her as Bess. Yeah. She would act as his assistant for the rest of their lives together, and she would eventually replace his brother Theo in the show. Aw, I so, like that. Yeah, they're, they're forever doing magic shows together. Oh, yes. Yep. With Houdini's mastery at escaping handcuffs, he was finally spotted, like finally, because it took a while. Like you said, it wasn't quite as popular then. It was just gaining popularity and all that. He was finally spotted by a theater manager while he was performing his escapes, and Harry ended up because of this manager performing at major vaudeville locales across the country, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, building a huge name for himself. Yeah, absolutely, especially with vaudeville. Um, After that, Houdini and Bess moved over to England and performed there and in Germany for a few years where he was able to practice other escape things, and he actually became the most well-known magician in germany at the time because he was able to do these things that nobody else could imagine though like being at a show like that and watching this man like you don't know if he's gonna make it and like it's high stakes yeah it is high stakes yeah i mean technology was not you know then what it is now for Mm -hmm. fail safes or Uh anything like that yeah old rickety locks (laughs) yeah heavy duty rusty chains Uh no thank you nope I, I have too much anxiety anyway. I would be freaking out. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. He's yeah. not going to make it. Yeah, absolutely. Moira levels of freak out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after they performed in Germany, I think it was like maybe five years, they moved back over the pond to Connecticut where they lived for a really long time. He would continue to amaze people everywhere with his outlandish tricks and escapes until the day he died 
Um, He and Bess were, like I said, still performing together. In 1913, his mom had passed away, and it sparked his interest in the supernatural and trying to contact his mother from beyond, because at this time, we're dealing with like just the beginning of the spiritualist movement and psychic mediums, like the Fox sisters parading about the streets, and they're mm-hmm. showing their talents everywhere, mm-hmm. and yeah, so... After failing multiple, multiple times at contacting his mother through these psychic mediums, he just began to think that all of them were fraudulent and wanted to totally debunk every single psychic medium self-proclaimed, you know, that there was. And so he, it was kind of like his life mission at this point to, to do that. He was part of a scientific group and he was also part of like some magicians group and both of them were trying to debunk these people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, because I guess he probably felt really insulted or maybe kind of foolish at the time if you know if it wasn't working for him that he would even try to go to this length to talk to his mom and think of frauds like how they're taking advantage of like people's pain like yeah exactly a fraud doing that like right taking people's money to tell them things that are just fake exactly and I'm one of those hope yeah I'm one of those people that I, I believe and know there are real psychic mediums, yes. but I'm very yep. aware that frauds will be abundant in any avenue where uh-huh. they can insert themselves and make easily. Yeah. yeah. It's down I mean, the it, it, Yeah. Fake it till you make it. That's one of the sayings. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, he even set a sizable prize for anybody that could prove that they could possess sort of, or that sort, or any sort of paranormal power. Uh, because he's a magician. I mean, he probably... Not only does he want to disprove it, but I feel like deep down he's kind of really interested in it. It's another form of magic. You know, yeah, if it were yeah. true, he would probably be like, holy crap, this is awesome. Exactly. You know, I'm yeah. performing magic, but this is something completely different. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, despite all this, because it was also another way to prove whether or not you could contact people in the afterlife, he promised oh, yeah. his wife, Bess, that after he dies, if he were to die first, he would attempt to contact her from the other side. So he and Bess came up with a code that they would be able to recognize and decipher if it was him that came through. I'm totally doing that. Right? I'm 110% doing that. I know. Like, like, whoever goes first or whatever. This is the code. Sean and I, or even me and you, are going to do that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The code will be two Ps. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, right? That'll just whisper that in your ear while you're sleeping in the nursing home. And I'll be like, Jenna. And they'll be like, this lady's senile. Yeah. (laughs) No, don't take me from here. Uh, So I guess the code was supposedly supposed to spell out Rosabelle. I'm not really sure why. I didn't really get a whole bunch of deep. I tried to put that with like her name and stuff, but I didn't really. Yeah, get it's probably something anything. deep that meant something to them that they didn't. Yeah, really. some sort of inside mm-hmm. thing. I'm not gonna tell people you exactly know, like, what the code's gonna be. Exactly. Can, uh, yeah, they're yeah, gonna pretend they, that mm-hmm. they're him. Obviously, frauds. Like mm-hmm. we said, anything to make a buck. Because I'm sure at this point, I'm sure at some point, Bess put out some sort of like. She probably kept the prize going if you can, if Houdini contacts you oh, yes, or whatever. Yes, yes, You know. Call me up. I'll give you money. Yeah. We can talk. So in 1926, while Houdini was backstage getting ready for a show, two fans and apparently like students of a university nearby to the show came to see him. Apparently one of the things that Houdini used to tout was that he could take a gut punch 
like no other. Yeah, I've heard that. I've actually, yes, I've heard that. As long as he could brace himself before. Yes, there's something behind it where, I, I watched something where they did like, they broke down the science behind how this dude could literally take huge beatings to yeah, the belly. to the gut. It's crazy. Yeah, so I was like, okay, kind of random and strange, but we're, we're going with it. So uh, the fans knew he claimed he could be punched in the gut pretty hard as long as he braced for it. The fan immediately, without allowing Houdini to brace himself, oh my gosh, gut punched him four times without any like a Domino's protecting mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. guts or anything. I mean, bow, 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 bow. And Houdini was in like excruciating pain. He still went on to do his show that night. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he still went on to do that show that night, and I guess he was in that same pain for the next couple of days without medical attention. Probably something internal got bruised. Yeah, and his wife is, like, pissed that he's not going to see the doctor. Like Men. Men. That is men. She keeps telling him, like, Harry, honey, you need to go to the doctor. And he's just not going. No, no. So he still attempted to perform at his next show, which was literally, like, three or four days after the fact of this happening despite the pain and the fact that literally he he finally did relent and go and see a doctor just before the show and the doctor told him that he had acute appendicitis and a fever of 102 during the show Been the there. fever climbed to 104 so why is he still doing shows stop he's yeah uh, obviously he's very ill because of what just happened yeah uh so he stopped the performance in the third act went to the hospital to have his appendix removed to appease his wife and her growing concerns. Oh, jeez. Not to save his life or anything. <laughs> no. The doctors found the appendix already ruptured. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they removed whatever was left, and they were not sure how great his chances were survival would be after mm-hmm. the surgery, because literally this is in, you know, 1926. So. Oh, dude, it happened to me in 1990, and I almost died. Yeah. Like, it's... It's not something to just ignore and keep uh, performing and I, through. Know, by that time, they have medical things that they can do for me that back then, probably not as much. Yeah. So apparently what had happened was the punches, there was a medical term that I had seen and then I, it went away and I looked for it again and I couldn't find it. But it caused this thing to happen that had lead, led to the appendicitis because the punches so, created something that okay. led to the appendicitis. So he didn't like already have an appendicitis and then no. they blew and then it ruptured okay no it literally was this something they caused something to happen it when led they, to the appendicitis right oh and the appendicitis gosh. it was it was just the gut punches were so hard at like that straight to the appendix that eventually like it didn't take that long for it to mutate into acute appendicitis and mm-hmm. explode it works fast too like when that it goes from zero to 100 like you're sick you're i puked in a pool when i was young yeah my sister doesn't let me live that down that's awful kayla <laughs> Yeah, jeez. Yeah, we were going to get a pool, and we were all excited, and you puked, and we had to leave. Yeah, sorry, my appendix sorry. was ruptured inside. Yeah, me. sorry I was dying. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, excuse me while I'm puking and dying. And they sorry about the pool. They don't know what's wrong with me, little <laughs> two-year-old girl. Aww. Oh, my gosh. All right, so in 1926, <laughs> on October 31st. Okay. Yes, Halloween. Harry Houdini passed away from his ruptured yes. appendix. He oh, died on Halloween. Oh my gosh. Now, there is a bit of controversy 
to this, so I figured I'd mention it while I'm not, I don't believe this theory that much. Okay, but you're going to put it out there. Yeah, because it is out there. While it's not contested that he did die from a ruptured appendix and appendicitis, some people believe that it was actually spiritualists trying to poison him for constantly claiming that they're all frauds and trying to slander them all. Huh. And that's what led to the appendicitis. I'm just going to go with the gut punches because there's literally no no other evidence to, to point to that. No. You would think that since they did do, obviously they did probably an autopsy on Harry Houdini, then they would have found the poison. Yeah, I don't... Also, like, this man wants to disprove you anyway, so why why send him into that plane? So he can disprove you even more? Yeah. When so, you can't connect with him? I'm not really sure about I that. I don't know either. So that was Harry's life. That's how Harry died. Uh, kind of a, a shitty way to go, really. Well, that's a blow to the gut. <laughs> yeah, right? That was a low joke. Bad <clears throat> uh, jokes. <laughs> I got a whole ton of them. <laughs> so I'm going to segue into what follows, which okay. are the Houdini seances. Yes. Following her husband's death, Bess decides to start having seances every single Halloween, the anniversary of his death, to try to contact her beloved Harry. Because she's like, I've got this code. I mean, people are doing this everywhere. I am going to try to talk to him. The seances will usually consist of about 8 to 12 to maybe 9 to 13 people right around there, around a table, as usual, holding hands while the medium conducts the seance. Bess tried to contact Houdini for 10 years with no luck of ever hearing the code that they both agreed on. In 1928, there was a medium, quote unquote, named Arthur Ford, who apparently they also, I did see a quote where they called him the Reverend. Kimmy huh. Schmidt vibes there. <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> um, he claimed to have received the code or a code from Harry, and hmm. Bess even believed him. But she wasn't an investigator. She didn't go over and investigate any of it. She didn't. She just listened to what he said just and took, took it word. at face value. Yeah. However, an investigator from the New York Evening Graphic was able to expose Ford's fraudulent efforts to pretty much just get money from Bess as she was a vulnerable widow. Oh. So that was not true. I think she would be more... I think that, like, that was two years after Harry died. She just really wanted to So, right, you know, like you said, she was a very vulnerable widow at that point. She was probably (laughs) maybe, you know, mildly depressed at that point. Stop being garbage. (laughs) Jeez. Don't do that stuff. If you want to be garbage, just take yourself out to the trash. Yeah, do that. The very last Houdini seance put on by his wife was, like I said, 10 years after his death, and that was in 1936. However, even though Bess ended the seances, the love of his fans is never ending and undying, and his fans have continued to practice the Houdini seances on Halloween every single year to this day. To We're this doing day. that. That yeah, so that yeah. is a social distance thing that we can do <laughs> inside on Halloween. I don't know though. We're gonna have to have seance. I don't know. You gotta have other people holding hands. I know that is it true. Sucks. Although I don't. We know. We could do it just we ourselves. Can, yeah, we need to look it up and like yeah. yeah. Do so it even his sale. oldest and possibly, arguably, his biggest fan, Sid Radner, who at the time of this article I was reading in 2010 was 90 years old. He actually was the owner of the trademark of the official Houdini seance 
and was also an owner of one of the largest collection of Houdini's things from his personal residence that were auctioned off after he had passed. Radner said he began doing the seances in the 1930s. I almost wonder sometimes, it did not say so in the article, but I was wondering if maybe he had known Bess, like since he was such a huge fan, maybe he had gone to meet Bess and maybe participated in one of her seances. Maybe. That would have been pretty cool. I got chills. I don't know why, but like... <laughs> They're I multiplying. Just, I just got some chills. <laughs> uh, he claimed that there were that there were some interesting happenings during some of the seances in which he participated. To quote Sid in an article written by NPR, this is what he once said. One time, the medium asked for Houdini to make his presence known, and a gal standing around, her beads broke and fell on the floor. Another time, a book fell down off a shelf. We had some strange things happen. While he doesn't know if it was Houdini himself, who knows? I mean, it could have even been best. Yeah, it you know, could have been any know. spirit. Like, you know, if you're channeling, yeah, it could really be anybody. Yep. I was able to locate an article that was done by the New York Times in 2011, so just a year after that article I read previously, that said that Sid had passed away from cancer at 91. Uh, so rest mm-hmm. in peace, Sid. Thank yeah, you for your unending peace. quest to contact Houdini, and I hope that you were able to meet him and Bess in another realm. Yes. Did it say what he did with the collection? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. I I'd I'm imagine sure probably like a museum somewhere that it got right. like, donated. It to. either was a it got turned into a museum, or maybe he had plans of like auctioning it to other museums. Yes, something. yes, but it's probably in a safe, a safe, a place. safe place. Yeah. So, like I said, the Houdini seances do take place today. From my research, I found a couple of places in 2020 doing the seances and even how to participate during these wonderful COVID times. Hmm. Virtual seance. Mm-hmm. Imagine it. So, Chicago was going to be having uh, one of their, a, one, a psychic medium guy come and it was something you could actually go to at first um, and he was going to conduct the seance. But that is now, I believe, just virtual. I'm not positive, but I do believe it. It is a virtual event now. And that is taking place this year on Halloween. And then there is one going on in the Pocono Mountains as well. Oh. And I'll link out to the site of the one in Chicago. I even put in here, maybe we can gather some folks and do our own Houdini seance this Halloween. I mean, yeah. As people like to say, if anyone could have ex- escaped the beyond in any way. Escaped. Sorry, not escaped. Can't stand it. <laughs> if anyone could escape the beyond in any way, it would have to be Harry Houdini. Oh, yeah. So, I just thought that was really awesome. It was something I hadn't actually ever even heard of. Yeah, I think that is just, what a cool story. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that was pretty cool. I like this Halloween episode thing where we can, like, split it half and half. Yeah, I agree. Because now it's your turn and we get to hear a completely different story in the same episode. And it's gonna get all sad. Okay. There are some sad nuggets up in my case. And we're going into the true crime specter here. Okay, like we said, you know, you, you get a little, little bit of everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we like to do. <laughs> so, Noel. Yes, Jenna. You remember growing up back in the 90s and early aughts? And like right before Halloween when spooky season started, you'd always see a commercial and a PSA about checking your candy. Oh, yeah. You know, parents were terrified that someone tried to put poison or, like, a razor blade in your Snickers. Yeah, we still check candy these days. Yeah. (laughs) I can remember the grainy old footage of, you know, a little kid trick-or-treating and, you know, their candy's open and there's, like, a syringe sticking out of it. (sighs) 
my memory sucks because I don't remember that, that vividly. I can remember vividly. And that happened for real once. I think I have heard this. But tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> we start out October 31st of 1974. Obvi Halloween night. Showing? For the O'Brien family in Deer Park, Texas. Now, I want to put a little disclaimer in here because I did see some sources said Deer Park, Texas. Some said Pasadena, Texas. It's so strange. It's how so happened. strange. But I saw more for Deer Park, Texas. So this is like I'm going with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was a normal Halloween night. Ronald was setting out to take his two children, Elizabeth, five, and Timothy, eight, trick-or-treating, also accompanied by uh, a neighbor and his two children. So it's a bigger group. Okay. Um, he, he, uh, he looks like a winner. <laughs> so they walk through the neighborhood, knocking on doors, collecting all the candy. Pretty standard Halloween stuff. Now, remember also the rule of you only go to houses that are well lit. Yeah, if they you have, have your to light have a porch on, light on, right? That means that you're open for business. Yes. If you don't have your porch light on, then they don't want to give you ass candy. Exactly. So a funny little anecdote, my grandparents always had their light off. Mm-hmm. Always. I always remember, I was always like, oh, I can't go to my grandparents' house trick-or-treating. And I was always sad. They were like 85, 90 years old. Yeah. So they were sleeping by the time we were trick-or-treating, but their light was always off. You always honored. Don't knock on a door where their lights are off. Yeah, for sure. Well, this group walks up to an illit house, quite dark, and they knock. They're so eager to get all the candy, they don't care. They're knocking, and they're knocking, and they're knocking. When the knocks are unanswered, the neighbor with the kids proceeds to the next house. So all the kids and the neighbor, they keep going on, but for some reason, Ronald stays behind. Okay. He thinks maybe, you know, he's going to get an answer. He doesn't want to miss out on his kid's candy. Jeez. Right? Like, Like, leave the house alone, weirdo. Pushy. Yeah. Pushy. So. And honestly, I wouldn't want to see this guy lingering, like lingering outside my unlit house. Uh, After just, I did not answer the door. The fact that, like, the, the light is off. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, they're not home, or they're sleeping, or they just don't want to buy candy and give it to your kids. I'm yeah. sorry. It happens. There's plenty of go- to go around everywhere else. Exactly. So, later, when O'Brien rejoined the group, he had five 21-inch pixie sticks, which he claimed came from the ill-lit house. Oh, and man <laughs> answered. Wow. Yeah. So, good thing, you know, that he stayed behind, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The sticks were distributed to all of the kids, uh, and then there was one left over because there were four kids. So, keep that one in mind. Okay. After the Halloween festivities, the group starts walking back home for the night. Um, I read that it was, like, a super rainy night, so they really only got a couple of streets done. It wasn't, like... Uh, A long night where you went to every single street and every single house. It was raining, miserable. They kind of went home early. Mm -hmm. So as they're walking home, O'Brien sees a 10-year-old boy that he recognizes from his church. So he's like, hey, I have this extra pixie stick. Here you go. You want it? So I want you to flash back to Halloween, of course, again, when you were a kid. What did you want to do? Eat candy. Eat the candy. You wanted to eat candy. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was always snacking as I went through. Like, oh, I got a Reese's cup. I love Reese's cup. I'm going to eat this Reese's cup as I'm walking to the next house. I never did that. <clears throat> oh, I, I was terrified did. of 
having stuff in my candy. <laughs> I wasn't. Like, if it was visibly open, I'm not going to eat that. Yeah. I didn't eat the apples that people gave out. Mm-hmm. Things like that. But, like, if it was a closed candy bar and I could see that it was fine. I mean, <sighs> so O'Brien, they get home and Timothy, his son, is pleading with his dad to let him have candy. He's like, come on, please, let me have candy. His father caved and told him he can have one piece. Only one piece. <laughs> the chosen candy was the pixie stick. Of course. Which, first of all, right before bed, a whole do thing not have a whole thing of sugar. Like, no. I, it's literally nothing but it, but sugar. I, I'm not even a parent, and like, no. You no. can have one M&M, dude. Like, you're not going to sleep anyway because it's Halloween night. You're not having this huge thing of sugar. No. No way. <laughs> no. And it's 21 inches long. It's like the it's one huge, of the giant, giant pixie sticks. Yeah. So Timothy goes to eat the pixie stick, and he's actually having a really hard time getting the candy out. Because it's sticky. It's, it's like, it's clumped. Yeah. yeah. So he's like trying, and he's, you know, doing it. So his dad comes over, being a good dad, and, you know, helps him, you know, helps little Timmy pour the sugar into his mouth. Now, Timothy said that the taste was very bitter. He's That's like, oh, yes. I don't like this. This, yes. this tastes very bitter. Mm-hmm. So dad gave him a glass of Kool-Aid to wash it down, but didn't seem concerned. Quickly after consuming this pixie stick, Timothy runs to the bathroom and starts vomiting. He's complaining of a stomach ache. He's cramping. And his father kind of, you know, rushes into action and they start driving towards the hospital. Unfortunately, Timothy O'Brien passed away en route. Mm -hmm. He never made it to the hospital. Poor Timmy. Poor Timmy. You know, just Halloween night. He was probably so excited getting into his costume, getting his candy. He just wanted to eat the pixie stick. Yep. So uh, after that, they did conduct an autopsy, and they discovered that his cause of death was due to cyanide poisoning. Mm. So the clumpy pixie stick prevails. Yes. So everybody, it might not just be humidity that makes your sugar and your pixie stick all clumpy. Uh-uh, no. So watch out. Sniff My- it. If it tastes funky, get rid of it. Yeah, you sniff that pixie yeah, stick. Yeah, sniff the <laughs> Not too hard. Do not sniff the pixie stick too hard. Just don't sniff your pixie stick. Don't eat pixie stick. Just don't eat them, please. Go for the fun dip instead. Oh, fun dip? That's my shit. Yeah, I right. love a good fun dip. Breaking your tooth on that big old piece oh, of yeah. sugar. You gotta suck on it, though. Like, make oh. it moist. Moist. There you go for Halloween. Sniff it and suck Anybody it over here. What that? are we doing? Anybody who hates that word for Halloween, moist. That is your <laughs> ASMR for, for the episode. Moist. We'll come at you next week with some more, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. Um, Back to the sad. Yeah. Because it is sad. It, yes. It is really sad. Yes. But sometimes you have lighten to like, it lighten it up yeah. because it is, if you don't, you're literally going to go insane. Oh, my God, yeah. <clears throat> and I've been researching a lot of this for my whole life, yeah. and you got to have some humor in there. And especially, like, I have a small child, so sometimes the children ones are especially Harder. hard to yes. listen to because yes. it's like, oh, my especially, God. Especially, like, you have a picture of this adorable little boy Just right in front of you. Man. And it's I like, know that he's it's not around. It's awful. Awful. It's, it's, it's terrible. So it's going to get worse. Scroll up here. It's right. going to get worse. So now after the autopsy, the police start to put together, you know, that the pixie stick might be the problem. And of course, since it's poisoning, the police are not involved, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they realize that Timothy's dosage, like the cyanide that was in his pixie stick that he consumed was enough to kill two 
adults. Oh my god, no wonder why it happened. Like literally, it seemed like instantly. So quick. Yeah. Yeah. His stomach was like, "This, this is not right. Get, get this shit out of me." Well, I think, and like, I could be wrong, and I'm sorry if I am wrong, but I think that I've seen somewhere that like little doses will just make you like sick. Yeah. over time it's not going to kill you right away yeah it's one it's that you like can constantly you, poison people yes with. you they can keep you was down with the little girl was poisoned with signs, or was oh, it something else fuck. or was it I, like arsenic or something i don't dude, know dude um or i not signs seen, not signs you know what i was talking about i don't because i thought you were talking about signs and i was about to say i haven't seen no signs she wasn't poisoned in signs i meant um uh, i see dead people oh um the six steps. Yes, thank you. See, that's why I have signs. Sorry, I gotta steps. like do like, this. To... Yes, yes. Okay, that that yes. little girl that was poisoned. I thought that her mom was poisoning her with like. And there, and arsenic is a very common one used as well. I I'm sure in 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 all of this we will come to know more about. Oh yeah. Um, but it was he was given a lot. I just don't need my Google searches. To be flinging, you know, flagging anybody for looking Dude, up they, cyanide poisoning and arsenic poisoning. I'm probably already on the watch list because of it. For real. Yeah, I'm like, no. They've been looking at my computer <laughs> since I was like 12 years old looking up all this crap. So they decide that they need to act quick because they hear there are four other pixie sticks floating around. That is terrifying. Uh, they're too late. And. I feel like. They're not. Oh my God, thank God. They are not. So. You know, his sister got one, so obviously once she the did brother reacts, yeah. bye-bye. Um, the two neighborhood kids, they were able to call them and be like, yo, throw those pixie sticks away. They're super poisoned. Okay, thankfully. thankfully the thankfully. only close call was the 10-year-old boy from church. Because nobody had his phone number probably. Or so whatever. they did call the parents, okay. and what I read was the parents freaked out they ran around the house looking for this pixie stick they looked in his candy they couldn't find it they're freaking out they walk in and it's like a it's next to him and he's asleep he couldn't get the staples open oh my god if i saw that the stick was next to him and he was i would have been like is he dead like, I've been rushing over to check sleeping. him. So it's like, yeah. oh, my God. So. Yeah. But no, thankfully, those staples. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Sta- the staples saved his the life. The staples literally saved his life. So sometimes when we're complaining about, you know, how hard it is to get packages open. Thank the sometimes Lord. Sometimes it's best. <laughs> sometimes it's just like, you know, yep, fuck yep. this. I can't open it. I'm uh-huh. tossing it out. So they collected all of them. They tested them. They were all full of, of cyanide. Wow. And some of the other ones were like high enough dosages to kill three to four adults. Oh my Like God. the amounts that are in here are absolutely like, whoever did this did not do their research on dosing. Or they didn't care. They just wanted to make sure whoever it was was dead. Yeah. Like so dead, dead. How this person did it was they bought the pixie sticks. They opened it, basically poured out some of the sugar and replaced the top bit. So even if they didn't finish this pixie stick, they're going to get a mortal dosage dosage so yes yeah. so after he you know the person put the cyanide in they stapled it shut and then bam mm-hmm. distribution time the entire area was freaking the fuck out when they heard about the death of this little boy because yeah. their kids had just been out trick-or-treating no one knows what i don't i don't think they released the candy yet so they don't know what kind of candy it was in or what well, exactly maybe, happened yeah i mean they don't even or if, if their knew, kid got it or what house it came from or anything like that yeah and even if they knew what kind of candy is it in other candy too exactly did my kid already 
eat the pixie stick because I don't see him having any. Like, uh-huh. Yep. So, yeah. And, you know, the police actually, you know, launched their investigation trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they go to Ronald O'Brien, uh, the boy's dad, and ask him where they got the Pixie Six from. They want to try and narrow down the area. He obviously doesn't remember. You would think that this house, which was very significant, he had to wait and wait and right? wait. That's what I was, The light yes. was off. Uh-huh. He had to wait so long uh-huh. until apparently, which nobody saw mm-hmm. because everybody left, apparently uh-huh. the people eventually opened the door. Which we don't know if if that's true or not. It gets even more suspicious. And he doesn't remember that at all. He does not remember. The police start to get a little suspicious um, because on Halloween night, like I said, they only went down a few streets. You would... I can yeah, get it if, like, like you're going, like, through a city and you went through, like, a thousand houses. I can kind of understand. Well, no, I still wouldn't because this house was significant. Like, the light was off. He waited and waited and waited to where everybody else moved on to the next house. Yeah, but cops don't know about that. Well, well no, I know, I know, but, like... I agree. No, I agree. And that's why they start to get suspicious because it's yeah. not adding off. Don't um, be suspicious. <laughs> So, suspicions grew. Police found out that none of the houses that they stopped at gave out pixie sticks. No one's giving them out. That's, it's quite a unique, can, like, unique candy, too. It's not something that you give out all the time. It's not like your Reese's and your Snickers. And yeah, like it doesn't come in. Your fun-sized things that yeah, you get. Yeah, it doesn't get. come in, like, one of those big bulk packs. No, at least, you have to not buy, now. Like, I don't know if maybe it was, like, a huge thing back then, but no one was giving them out. You would literally have to buy just a pack of, like, pixie mm-hmm. sticks. Yeah, exactly. And who does that? Weird. Or like bulk, big, because the big ones, you can't even buy packs of the big ones. You have to buy those separately. No, and I don't think I've seen a huge pixie stick since I was like. No, they still have them. Do they? Yeah, I, I see them. them at, if you go to candy stores and stuff, they'll have well, them. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't go to candy stores. But like, yeah, they, they still have the big pixie sticks. I believe it. You know what? I might want a pixie stick now. <laughs> I fucking said the word pixie stick so get a fun so and call much. it a day. It's the same thing, except it's got other sugar. You You're right. Maybe sugar. I'll get a baby bottle pop. So police accompanied by O'Brien walk through the neighborhood three times. He's like, I don't remember where this came from. Nothing is jogging my memory. <sighs> it was not until the last time that O'Brien took them to the dark house, the one where the kids knocked, but no answer came. Mm-hmm. So O'Brien claimed that after many unanswered knocks, he was like, I'll try one last time. Why not? And this time the door opened, but just a sliver. And the only thing that popped out was an arm with five giant pixie sticks. The police, of course, asked for identifying marks. Like, how did this person look? What? You know, but he's like, I only saw an arm. He said it was a hairy arm. That narrows things down, right? Right. So very helpful. Obviously, police now having the location, they can start to narrow down who lives at that location. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the man, the father is like, I went here. This is this is where I got them. You know, I, oh, I remember now. Yeah. Aha. So police start digging. Uh, I'm not going to give the occupant's name. It was given like in the reading, but I'm not going to mention it here. So I just call him the homeowner. Okay. So after they start digging, they realize that there was a reason the house was dark. There was no one home. The homeowner was at work at the airport until 11 p.m. And this was corroborated by 200 airport employees. He was on the clock. He was not home. Halloween night trick-or-treating ends at what? Most areas is like 9, 10 o'clock. 
Not even nowadays. It's like 6 to 8 p.m. Oh, yeah. But back super then. super early now. Yeah, yeah so back then it probably was, was like 10. 10. So no one was there. This man was at work. Who knows his commute? He might not have Which even been home until... why his light was effing off. Yeah. So leave it leave alone. Leave people's houses alone. Stop knocking at the door. Uh, so right then, police change course and start really honing in on Ronald O'Brien. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. It, duh. Obviously. Well, also, they should have gotten a little bit of a more of a suspicion was when they went around the block three times. And he times. Just couldn't remember, like, where he got it. Like, Well, no, he didn't even, it, it sounds like he, he didn't even take them to that house until the very last time. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. So, like, why would he leave this house out every single time? Yep. yep. And then it th- then bring it up. So that would have been suspicious to me. Like, you know, I can speculate, and if this is just speculation because I don't know for a fact, I have a feeling the police always kind of thought it was him because of the way that he acted, the way that he couldn't remember. Well, they didn't act like it. Like... They didn't seem like they, they I mean, yeah. underlying minor, yeah, but it was like. But they, you also, they like, ignored all these super, like, all these super steps, weird things. I know, but there are steps to an investigation. So they're going to try and narrow it down the best way to have the best case. Well, yeah, but you still have multiple suspects. I think in he many was, cases. I think he was questionable, but I don't think they wanted to do that right off the bat because then he kind of shuts down. And if he isn't the guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, but no, at the same time. You just gotta, you, you just, sometimes you don't know. One thing was that O'Brien was $100,000 in debt, hmm. and they found out that he was not very good at holding down a job. Okay. He was facing That's repossession. A yeah. A lot of money. Like, what did he do in that 70s. time to make himself in that much debt? Yeah. Well, think of, like, owning a house. Mm-hmm. Any asset you own is your debt. Oh, yeah, true, true. So, like, if he had a nicer house, a car, you know, he was facing repossession, foreclosure, and he defaulted on multiple bank loans. So, this dude was just, like, taking out, like, loans and buying things and then probably not paying towards it. Yeah. Yeah. So, police also discover life insurance policies taken out for both of his children. Wow. (laughs) What a piece of... $10,000 each. So these were taken out at the beginning of um, 1974, like right in January. So only like seven, eight months before Halloween. Well enough time to plot. Mm -hmm. But another point that makes it so questionable was a month before Halloween, he added $20,000 each to their life insurance policy. Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. Pretty suspect. That's awful. That is super suspect if you ask me. I mean, people take out life insurance on their children. I'm not saying that that is... 100% 100% suspicious, but, like, when he did it, the amount of debt that he was in, the fact that he added to it, like... And then the it, fact that one of the children died. It's so premeditated. Yeah, absolutely. It feels so premeditated. Police also stated that they found record of a phone call, which O'Brien had made the morning after his son's death to said insurance company. They always do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Do they make it seem like such a fucking priority if they don't want to get caught? I like, think seriously, the hardest thing for me to think about is like we don't know, like they say on other, you know, true crime shows, we don't know how you'd act in that situation. So maybe he's more of like an analytical person who's like, okay, my son just died. We have a funeral. We have this. We have that. We have medical bills. Like, I, I don't want to say, like, it makes him sound suspicious, but I don't also want to say, like, condemn him because I don't know how I would act in that situation. Well, some th- people cry and they, they're down, and, and some people act. Well, considering he planned everything out 
it's for that long, you would think that he would have been smarter about like going about the whole. And like, that's the thing. I don't understand why they all jump the next day or that day. Oh, life insurance! I know you're an idiot. Like, back off. Show them that you're grieving or whatever, and then go for it. Especially if you did it, like, (laughs) yeah, duh. Just, just just hold on, you idiot. But, but you know, you you never know. Yeah, you just never know. So, with all of this, um, the police came up with this theory. They thought that O'Brien laced the Pixie Six himself. The hope was that both children would eat the candy and he could collect the 60000 um, Investigators also speculated that the other four Pixie Six, like why make more yeah, if you only want to kill two say. kids, was to cover up his crime. Because if more kids are dying, they're not automatically going to jump mm-hmm. to the kid's dad. They're going to look at other avenues. That's so messed up. I know, right? You were going to take out four other children yeah that like what yeah that's just, just so you so can collect sixty thousand dollars that's not even gonna get you out of debt though. i know calm how the ridiculous fuck down yeah. <sighs> so no sense there's no point exactly <sighs> it just makes no sense so o'brien maintained his innocence while being questioned by police um they officially arrested him on november 5th of 1974 mm. He was indicted on one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. Now, what is the definition of capital murder for our listeners? It means that you have the death penalty on your head. Okay. You will die if you are convicted of this murder crime. Okay. So we're going to jump to his trial and conviction, which happened in May of 1975. So why the fuck do they drag out trials so long? You know, it's a huge waste of money. Like, like and all the other, him. Yeah, yeah. Like, this happened in... Some of these things go on for, like, eight years. It's it like, was well over a year before his trial even began. He yeah. was arrested November 5th of 1974. Well, no, I guess... Well, on like some six, of the other... It's like six months, though. Like, just... Yeah, on some of the other detective podcasts I listen to, the mm-hmm. detectives actually say, like, trial didn't... We didn't get the trial until no, two years after. Takes, and, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So that person is literally in jail. Until their mm-hmm, trial, mm-hmm. which and like, is a whole other thing. I remember, I remember I was a huge fan of HLN when we had like the cable system. Mm-hmm. And I would watch straight coverage of the Casey Anthony trial. Mm-hmm. That trial lasted for fucking ever. Yeah, I know. It's and she's just, just like, <sighs> you know, like it takes a while for them to get started. And then also big cases take a while to try. I know. Like it's, it's a huge thing. It really is. So, obviously, O'Brien pled not guilty. Of course. The prosecution brought a lot to the table. They said a chemist friend of O'Brien had testified. And in the summer of 73, O'Brien started asking him all sorts of questions about cyanide. Ah, so he was his Google. And about (laughs) lethal doses. Of course. So, that is a tick in the suspicious category. I wouldn't um, even have answered those questions. Like, what random thing? Like, why? I would have been like, why? Why do you want to know? <laughs> Dude, it gets even worse because his coworkers testify that he was, he like became obsessed and he would like mention it and bring it up in conversation and be like, oh, did you know that da-da-da doses could kill a human? Like, he literally would just, and I feel like I do that stuff too. No, that's like weird. Like, yeah, but I get weirdly like satisfied with kind of stuff like that. Like, I find like morbid things interesting. Right, and then but I if share morbid things. People know that you're into that type of stuff. No, like, I know. This was this, just randomly it he was started very, one day very like, random. being but obsessed with cyanide. I'm like, just saying, like, don't think that I'm like 
weird. I'm not weird, guys. I mean, we are weird. Well, just bit. not that kind of weird. But I'm not going to do this. <laughs> no, not okay? that kind of weird. There Your pixie sticks are safe with me. There are different degrees of weird. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he is just obsessed with cyanide. He's mentioning it all the time. They could never pinpoint a purchase, though. Huh. They never found any purchase documentation that he actually procured the cyanide. They never found the cyanide on him. Nothing of that I mean, sort. Maybe his chemist friend. Who knows? Who knows? Look, I'm a little cyanide. But the defense. Or a black market type deal. Who knows? You never. It's the 70s, dude. Yeah. The fucking 70s were wild. I know. Fucking. Find anything. Anything was going on in the 70s. <laughs> but the defense had their own tactic. They were basically using a fear tactic of dangerous candy, razor blades in apples, and syringes hanging out. And, like, all the stuff that we heard in the 90s, they used that as their defense. Like, oh, you're just blaming this man, and it really could have been anybody because people are out to kill our children through candy. I'm going to tell you right now, this is really the only case where it has actually happened. It's not a big thing to find razor blades in your candy. I think it has happened before, but not really though. It's more of a scare. Like it's more way. of a scare tactic because I know Google that it. I know that people even put like tacks and razor blades under changing pads on changing tables and bathrooms and stuff to but, like harm babies. I'm pretty sure I've heard of a yes, but that could also be like scare tactics. Like a lot of this stuff is scare tactics. It's they want you afraid to eat the candy and then they use it to basically say like this man is not a monster people are trying to kill our kids every day look at the commercials we had the commercials when we were kids this happened 20 years before and that's still happening mm-hmm. and i can tell you i trick-or-treated every year until well, senior year <clears throat> um i was probably too old to trick-or-treat but free candy and i never found anything i get it it's a small town but they're saying it can happen anywhere this was a small town mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it, they're using a scare tactic. And obviously, the trial was a media sensation. Mm-hmm. It was on every newspaper, and they dubbed him the Candyman. Candyman. Okay, yeah, that would be where, that would be yeah. accurate. Yes. So, that's the basic. And I've, have you ever seen, like, the movie The Candyman? Or just Candyman? You know, I think I have, but I don't think I have at the same time. Same. I feel like I've seen it. Like, I know the character in it, and I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've seen it. It's probably like one of those things where it was playing on sci-fi all the time. Yes, it really, to Halloween, it literally we was. Like, we would put it on there and then, like, uh-huh. skip past it. It literally was. But I think, I don't think, like, it's connected, like, to that. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But maybe we'll watch it. Yeah. July 3rd of 1975, jury deliberations had started. So it was a very small case. Okay. And according to Wikipedia, it only took them 46 minutes to get to a verdict. Wow. They were not deadlocked. No, not at all. This is not 12 angry jurors. <laughs> this is, we know what we want to do with this guy. Which it shouldn't be hard. That that type of case should just be no, cut and dry. You know, I mean, 42 open, minutes is still a long time. Open and shut. So <laughs> For that type of case, like, okay. Yeah, and obviously, he guilty. Yeah, yeah. They delivered the verdict, and O'Brien was sentenced to death for the murder of his son, Timothy. In what state was this in again? Texas. Texas. So they Texas. still have the death penalty, correct? I believe. Um, I believe so, but I'm not 100% sure on yeah. that. I know that it's it's died out a lot, but there are a, a few states that are still death penalty mm-hmm. states. He got his execution stayed or like postponed right. three times. Ugh. 
Um, one of his execution dates was supposed to be on Halloween. They were like, fuck you. Yeah. You are going to die the, the same, same night that, that you killed your did. child. Yeah. But his attorney want to stay for that one as well. So I don't understand. I don't understand like, it either. I don't like, understand the stay. All it is is costing more money to have this person stay longer for no reason. It's because there are people that are against the death penalty and they're very advocative and they, they set up these... He was yeah, working with those groups, basically. Mm-hmm. And finally... Oh, I shouldn't say finally. But finally he was executed, uh, executed Sorry, by lethal injection on March 21st of 1984. So that's like 10 years after the death of his child. Yeah. You know, I that mean. He sat on death row. Obviously, there are very good reasons to be against the death penalty because of innocence. And there's a lot of times when innocent people yes, are sitting on yes. death row. I have my, my, I have my hat in both corners. Yeah, same here. Because when something is as cut and dry as this, mm-hmm. where obviously mm-hmm. he, there's no question of innocence mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. There should be no, there should be no question. I'm sorry. You're disgip, you're despicable. Not only did you kill your child, you tried to kill one of your Four other children and then people. three yeah. other strangers' children. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Like, no, that's abhorrent and you're a danger and a threat to society. I agree. Because you could still take out life insurance policies on the rest of your family and try to take them out too. Uh-huh. You don't deserve to be on this planet anymore. Uh-uh. Like, no. I'm sorry. And I, I did, I do believe like in debate class, I did the debate on like, I can't remember if I was pro or against. Yeah. It's a tough one because. It was really hard because there are a lot of things that are like, yes, but then there are things that I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Because like the green mile, like Mm -hmm. that's what I come back to. You don't want some innocent person dying for something that they didn't do. That's the only reason for me to not appreciate the death penalty. Every, everything else, Mm -hmm. I don't have sympathy for somebody who can create commit such abhorrent abhorrent abhorrent, i mean for the things that we know about Mm -hmm. the things that people have done and can do and are capable of it's just no yeah no we need to keep our our world safe and there's some people that just won't be it's definitely a case-by-case basis but we need to make sure that we're holding the judicial system like accountable yeah to, to make things fair and just and Hopefully not arrest the wrong person, but who knows? And I know they say they suffer in prison, but a lot of these people who are in there for life, they create their own groups. They become comfortable. I mean, we've all watched, I know it sounds stupid, but we've all watched TV shows where Mm -hmm. you see the older folks in there and they will be, they they know how to play the game of -hmm. of prison. They know how Mm -hmm. to live there comfortably. They've got their buddies or maybe they don't, but it's just, it's not as... Much of a punishment to me is just not living anymore. Yeah. You took the life of someone else, especially. Like, yeah. you're a murderer. Right, right, like, exactly. Why do you get to sit in a jail cell watching TV and playing cards? Exactly. And, and like, yes, you're doing work and, and it's not, you know, the best food and, and the, the the beds are hard, but still. But you're alive. Someone else is dead. Yeah, and you're still. They don't still... even get a hard bed. Mm-hmm. They get a cold grave. Mm-hmm. And they're done. Little Timothy is done. Mm-hmm. I say. I think he was what eight. Try again in the next life, buddy. Try better because you don't deserve to just sit there in prison. Who knows? I I kind of like feel that 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 tortured of of a type of soul will keep coming back in a tortured type of way, even if it's in a different type of tortured way. I feel like it's gonna play out in that way. According to Buddhism and things that I've been following lately, you will be reborn until you reach a higher level of yourself every single time. 
you are reborn. You're you're set to reach a higher level of yourself. And once you reach that capacity, yeah, then you get to move you on. You also have to live it in your life. Like, he didn't live it. So he's not going to come back as a better person. Well, no. He'll come back, start as a baby, and you're starting from, from nothing again. Yeah, that's and true. And then you have all your choices bent, make who you are. Yeah, and I every, get that. And every, the way you were brought up and stuff. Like, you get another chance at life just to be better this time, and then the next time you be better than the last time. And then, like... I just feel like these souls <coughs> are so tainted. Because I know that... And it's possible that even in his next life, he will still be... A serial killer again, or he'll or be just a different a serial garbage killer. Garbage person, yeah. you know. Like, like he might be a shit. step up from what he did before, but yeah. he's still gonna be a pile. Like that's yeah, it's exactly what I said. Yeah, like he'll come yeah. back. It'll be a different kind of like. Then the next shit. time he'll be a little less of shit, and then the next oh. time he'll be a little, little less shit, and so, it takes a while. You never know. By like thirty twenty four, he might be a better soul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't know. He'll reach um, karma. I did get from New York Times, um, with executions, you get, like, their last words. Oh, yeah. So, he talked a lot, and I didn't include a lot of it because it was it was kind of bullshit, sorry, but... Mm-hmm. He just um, wanted to ramble to spread out, his, to milk his time. Basically. <laughs> the last words that... At, well, he basically was talking about how, I'm going to pray for the people who wronged me. Oh, I am an my innocent God. man. Da, 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 da. I'm like, I'm not even going to fucking give that time. Yeah, All I'm going to say was his his literal last words, according to a New York Times article, which literally is from April 1st, 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, quote, God bless you all and may God's best blessings be always yours. End quote. Not your kids, apparently. Yeah. So fuck you, guy. So that's my case. That's my that's my feeling on it. Fuck you, guy. It, so so, do you think he killed Timothy? Yes, I do. I have no doubt yeah. in my mind. I I knew it was weird from the beginning when, and like I said, I've, I have heard this case before. But as soon as you brought up the dark house, I'm like, that's right, this guy, this fucking guy. Yeah, like, like, yeah, you're weird. The dark house is definitely, uh, and nobody can prove nobody was there because everybody wanted away. Exactly. That this Why guy, does he stay back? Why is he staying back? Oh, I'm just going to wait till they open the door. Like, you don't do that. It he was staying back because he was poisoning the pixie sticks. It, well, the pixie sticks were already poisoned. I'm oh, pretty okay. sure they were already on him. Like, he did it. This is 110%. If he 100% did it, this was premeditated as fuck. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, the months before. Policies. Yeah. Almost a year before. He the talks with his friend about yes, the cyanide. Yeah, the and, summer of 73. Yeah. That was a whole year yeah. Before he took out the life insurance policies. Right. So this has been cooking. He's known. He's got the banks knocking at his door. He's mm-hmm. freaking out. He's probably like, back in that time, he probably was keeping this shit from his wife. Oh, God. Which, a little bit of like, woohoo, she left his ass right afterwards. Good. Like, she should. Bye-bye. Take those children away. And she has like said, like, I feel no remorse. Or like, not remorse, but I feel no sympathy for him. He gets no, no pity from me. Fuck That's her children. Like, she birthed that uh-huh. baby. Like, mm-hmm. you know. And she took that daughter and she freaking ran. Yeah. She's like, peace out. I mean, he was Honestly, going yeah, to I prison anyway. I probably would have killed him and poisoned him. But I don't think... <laughs> you killed probably, my child. <laughs> she probably didn't know the extent of their financial ruin. Mm-hmm. Men mm-hmm. in those times would keep that stuff. Well, not only that, but women didn't have the... Couldn't mm-hmm. get stuff in their names a lot of times still mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, it wasn't him. She might have, like... She might have worked. I don't know, like, mm-hmm. that backstory, but he was probably the main... 
he was probably like the main breadwinner. He wasn't good at it. Mm-hmm. He's not going to tell her. Like, how many times do we watch in a TV show that a man is like faking going to his job because he lost it and he's afraid to tell his wife? I know. Oh my god. It's like just tell your freaking wife you lost your job. It's way better in the end. Yeah, <sighs> I'm going to be pissed when you come to me a month later because we can't pay our freaking mortgage. Yeah, and God forbid we think you're cheating. If anything, because you're not actually going to work. I'm gonna be a little. <laughs> but you're crazy. gone the whole day. I'm gonna be a little crazy too. I'm yeah. like looking at your phone, like what the fuck you doing every day? Exactly. <laughs> Oh, so that that's Halloween. Well, happy month Halloween, yo. I'm excited for our next episode, too, and our next yes. episode. I'm excited for every episode ever to come. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, please join us next Freaky Friday. And until then, follow us on the socials. Okay, okay. You can find us on Facebook at... More Than Murder. Find us on Twitter at more than underscore murder. And you can find us on Instagram at more than murder pod. If you have any comments or show show ideas or, you know, just want to talk to us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at more than murder pod at gmail.com. And once again, we just want to wish you a safe and happy Halloween. We hope it is as spooky as ever, even though 2020 is Lame AF. The worst fucking year ever. (laughs) Um, But we love you all, and we'll see you next week. Yay, toodaloo. Bye. Bye.